0: hello folks i'm joel van Hugen, and this is the bread of life a radio ministry of the international mission church partnership evangelism and its associate mission fellowship the bread of life in boise idaho our ministry is going forward every day in countries around the world to learn more go to traincpe.org or bread of when jesus told the account of the coming of the great tribulation He allowed the words that he spoke in Matthew 24 to intermingle with the approach of a horrific event that was soon at hand. The temple in Jerusalem was about to be destroyed by the Romans. Christ will tell of the near event, and from there will turn the disciples' attention to the greater event of the Great Tribulation. And so he sets an example for us. In the present, we can see the signs of the coming of Jesus. Keep your eyes open. I'm going to have to bring in and we're going to have to have a little bit of a history conversation as well. And we're going to have to look at, to understand this passage, we're going to have to look at a little bit of prophecy in the Old Testament to understand what the Lord Jesus was saying at the time of which he spoke to his disciples. So there's history to be told here. There's prophecy to be considered in the past in the Old Testament be told here. And then there's something that we'll be able to grasp of what the Lord Jesus was teaching and saying to his disciples at the moment which he was instructing them. Remember, he had told them that the temple was about to be destroyed and that not one stone was going to be left upon another. And the disciples connect those words of the Lord Jesus to the end of the age. And so they asked the Lord Jesus basically two questions When is the temple going to be destroyed and what will be the sign of that destruction? And when is going to be the end of the age and your coming or when the Messiah comes to set up the messianic age? And what will be the sign of your coming? And those were, they put the two together and they held them together. And the Lord Jesus doesn't tear them apart he in a sense allows them to be together this one prophecy of the destruction of the temple that's coming and also this idea of the end of the age and to some extent you'll see that that takes place with the old testament prophets as well but the question that is being asked as you look at this passage folks this is somewhat of a technical passage so hang on with me all right the question that's basically being asked is what is being prophesied here to understand what the lord jesus is prophesying about here it would be helpful for us to refer to Daniel chapter 11 and Daniel chapter 12. And I'm not gonna be able to take you through that because that will take us too long a time. But what you'll see is in Daniel chapter 11, Daniel begins to prophesy about the coming of the Greek empire some 400 years before it arrives. And the arrival of the Greek empire that is overseen by Alexander the Great. And then Daniel prophesies of the breakup of that kingdom into four various parts and then two powerful kings rising up in the midst of that kingdom or the breakup of this Greek kingdom, and it's the Ptolemies and the Seleucids, and they rose up. There was the king of the north and the king of the south, and they battled one another, and interestingly enough, the detailed information of all of the intrigue of the breakup of that kingdom of Alexander the Great is so specific that, well, prior to about 600 A.D., Most believers and Christians just took it as a matter of fact that Daniel was seeing and prophesying these specific and particular details, and it just showed the power of God to reveal what was going to take place in history. Around 600 A.D., there arose up a certain individual who was an atheist, and this atheist looked at the text and he said, there is no way, there is no way that man can know what's coming that far in advance. With that detailed account and with such historical accuracy because now they knew all the intrigues that took place in the Greek empire at that time. And so this had to be written by somebody after the fact. This had to be somehow written some 500 years after when we think Daniel lived. And so that was at least his theory and nobody took him seriously until liberal theologians came along at the end of the 1800s and then all of a sudden they started saying the same thing. this, This has to be, this has to have been written by somebody later than that fact. Well, I can't get into the details, but I can tell you that just analyzing the language and understanding the way of Hebrew literature and then also things that were discovered when the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered, where they found texts of Daniel that were written and they date them back to the very time in which the ending of this prophecy takes place in Daniel chapter 11. it It became real. It's impossible. It was impossible historically for it to have been written in the late date that these skeptics were giving to it. But it's because it was so historically accurate. And at the end of his prophecy, he prophesies of an individual that will rise up out of this broken up Greek kingdom who will establish a covenant with the nation of Israel. And then he will break the covenant with the nation of Israel. And in the the holy place, he will establish a desolation or a desecration or an abomination to the worship. And that happened when a man by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes rose up. Antiochus was one of the great kings that rose up or one of the final great kings and he took over Jerusalem and he entered into a covenant with the Jewish people and then at some point in time he overtook the temple and he set up a idol to the god Zeus of which he believed himself to be the embodiment. That's why the name Epiphanes came in. He was the epiphany of or the epiphany of the revelation of this god and in the place of the temple he set up pig sacrifices on the altar in Jerusalem to Zeus and to himself. And this created a great battle that took place. The Maccabeans rose up. They overthrew Antiochus' Epiphanes. The people of Israel were rescued for a long period of time. At one point in time under the Maccabeans, they actually expanded their domain over Israel almost to the full region that Israel had known under the time period of David and Solomon. Quite dramatic and quite wonderful. And this all happened in between the Old Testament period the New Testament period and so very particularly all that Daniel had prophesied came to be in chapter 11 all those details are given at the end of chapter 11 in the beginning of chapter 12 in Daniel's writings there's a shift that takes place Daniel takes this teaching that he gives of these specific events that are taking place during the Empire of the Greeks and he projects it out to the very end of the times and something that's going to take place at the end of all time before the messianic age takes place. And now he projects it upon a new series of events. And he even speaks of and references that this abomination of desolation, that's what he calls it in Daniel chapter 11, he repeats that will take place in the very end of time, projected out in something that God is going to do that's far ahead of us and is not to be confused what's going to be fulfilled during this Greek age. And so he takes specific historical information that God has given him about the Greek empire that's coming and he talks about it in very specific details and then all of a sudden he extends it out into a mystery of something that's going to happen at the end of the age And then he talks about this great day that will take place in which there will be a trouble that will take place like nobody has ever known. And he talks about at that moment a general resurrection of the dead that will rise up before the end of the days in which all the righteous will be saved and all the wicked will be judged. And he speaks of in reference to that in the middle of all that, in the final days, the final three and a half years of that time period that this abomination of desolation will be raised up in the temple of God. And so he goes from this one point in history and he pruxacts out to the end of history, you might say. And that is exactly how we have to understand, and that is the pattern, you might say, that the Lord Jesus is using as he's speaking to his disciples about the destruction of the temple. They've asked about the destruction of the temple, and they themselves have put it and connected and projected out that idea to the end of the age, and the Lord Jesus leaves that intact for them. He allows them to see the one thing and project it out to the end, and Jesus answers in like fashion as they see it. And so, first he speaks to them about, specifically about the destruction of the temple, and then he turns it out into a broader language in which something of the destruction of the temple at that time is interwoven, but he's projecting out to something that's going to happen at the end of times before he comes. And it's in Matthew chapter 24, 15 through 26 in particular that we reread of this, primarily of this projection out to the end of times. It's in Luke chapter 21, verses 20 through 24 that we see what the Lord Jesus is saying about the immediate context answering what will happen before Jerusalem is destroyed. Take your Bibles and go to Luke chapter 21, verses 20 through 24. So in a sense what we could do is we could read Luke 21, verses 20 through 24 as the first section of what the Lord Jesus is answering. It can be like Daniel 11, and then we can read what he says in Matthew 24, and that can be like Daniel 12, the projection outward. And yet they're intermingled together. They're never entirely pulled apart. And Here's what he says in Luke 21, verses 20 through 24. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. Remember at the beginning of 24, verse 14, he speaks of the fulfillment of the things that were spoken by Daniel of the abomination of desolation. But now he says, Now when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then you'll know its desolation is near. Jerusalem's desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her depart, and let not those who are in the country enter her. For these are days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days, for there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people, and they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Interestingly enough, when Daniel prophesies about Antiochus and Epiphanes, that prophecy indicates that at the end of the abomination that Antiochus brings about, that there will be rising up those who will lead them in a rebellion and they'll throw off the oppression of Antiochus Epiphanes, which took place to the Maccabeans. And when you read of the expression of the great troubled times that will take place in Daniel chapter 12, we're told that in this great time of trouble that what will immediately follow is a complete deliverance of the people and this resurrection that takes place. But here in Luke, he says, after these things take place, they're going to be led away into captivity until the Gentiles are done trampling over, trampling over the land until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. And so there are different things that are being discussed here, but they're similar. They're similar. There are those who want to look at what the Lord Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, 15 through 26 and what he says in Mark chapter 13 in the parallel passage and also in Luke and they want to say that all of that prophecy was completely fulfilled in the time period in which Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 AD and that all that is taken care of and basically you can take all the apocalyptic messages that you find in the book of Revelation and Daniel and you can all sum it up and tie it up into that one period of time in 70 AD when the temple was destroyed and we're done with it we don't have to worry about that now we're just moving forward until the Lord Jesus returns and it's becoming a popular position again in our day and age and They see the words of Matthew and Mark as speaking to that time, as referring to that time that took place just before the temple was destroyed. So just a little bit of history again for you here, back to 70 AD, this is only 30 or 40 years after the Lord Jesus has spoken these words of the destruction of the temple. Back at that time, four years before 70 AD, 66 AD, the Jewish people started to rebel against the Romans. And the Romans sent a general from Syria by the name of Gallus to come down, and he surrounded the city of Jerusalem. And he could have destroyed the city of Jerusalem at that time. But for some reason, he got nervous. Some speculate that he had broken his supply lines back to Syria, and he was a little concerned. And so he retreated from destroying Jerusalem at that time, which emboldened the rebels of the Jews. And so they came out from Jerusalem, they set up an ambush of the army of Gallus and they created tremendous harm to his army and they defeated a good portion of his army before Gallus was able to retreat back into Syria. And that didn't end things, that just began things. Because after that a general by the name of Vespasian came and began to try to put down the rebellion. Vespasian ultimately became the emperor of Rome and got called back to Rome and Vespasian sent his son Titus to come and put down the rebellion. And it's Titus that will show up in 70 A.D., and after a four-month siege, will enter into Jerusalem and destroy it, and destroy the temple at that time. But it was in 66 A.D., folks, that Jerusalem was surrounded, like we read in Luke chapter 21. It's the first time that it's surrounded by the Roman armies, and it's ready to destroy them. But there are individuals who look at this event and say, this is an answer to all that was prophesied at that time. And All of the horrible things that happened in 70 AD, that's the picture of the time of trouble that's greater than any other time in the history of the world up to that time and after that time, and it was pretty bad. Well, that's all important background to prepare us for a study in the Olivet Discourse of the Lord Jesus. You'll have to join us again as we take up this in-depth study of the last days before he returns for us. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of church partnership, evangelism, and the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. We are at work to take this gospel to the ends of the earth, and we need your prayers and your support. To learn more, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.